Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now, where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 welcome. Thank you to our intro voiceover, Ryan Treasure, the VP of everything at Voice America Radio. We're live on the Business Channel. We're live on LinkedIn. My panelists, I haven't introduced you, but wave hello to LinkedIn, wave hello to Facebook, and wave hello to the Voice America Business Channel audience. Isabella, they can hear you waving. Wave a little bit louder. There we go. Okay, everybody, good, wonderful. We've got a lively group here today, and we have a lively topic. Wait a minute, I hear noise. I hear a lot of noise. It must be social media noise. I hear hashtags bumping into each other, clanging and bumping and popping. I hear handles. I hear people with handles that make no sense. I don't know who they are. Why did they pick them? I hear a hundred hashtags going bump, bump, bump in the night when I'm trying to sleep. What is the future? of social media noise. Should we banish hashtags? I don't know. That's what we're here to find out today and a lot of related topics. So let me give you a couple of opening buzz quotes and then I will have my four esteemed panelists. They're all experts in their own way on this topic. Can't wait to hear their predictions. We also have a sponsor today, Advanced Risk Machines is going to talk about their ARM, A-R-M, all in caps, viewpoints podcast a little later in the show. Wait for that. So buzz number one and now the gardeners are here of course, talk about noise outside my office window. Can't help that. Here's a quote from sellerschoice.digital, and it's a blog. Hashtags aren't as cool as they once were. Social media, like Twitter and Instagram, thrived on hashtags to promote content and connect followers with brands, but hashtags are quickly losing favor on social media. That's buzz number one. Buzz number two is from sproutsocial.com. It's been 13 years, I didn't know that, since the founding of the hashtag. And marketers are now questioning if hashtags are still relevant. When they asked their community on Instagram about hashtags, get this, 66% said hashtags are still a key part of their social strategies. 34% said, we're over those, okay? Not over the moon, over hashtags. Buzz number three is from Earl Sweatshirt. Anybody on the panel ever heard of the rapper Earl Sweatshirt? I didn't think so. Okay. Anyway, Earl Sweatshirt, born in 1994. He's kind of young for us. He says, everyone's like sheep on social media. Bah! One person starts making noise and everyone's like, hey, yeah. And then you got a whole bunch of people making noise at you. That's part of what we're talking about today. And buzz number four is from Ripple, R-I-P-L. They don't like a lot of letters.com. And they say, don't use only hashtags with two million tags. Why? One of the most popular hashtags on Instagram is hashtag fashion, F-A-S-H-I-O-N. It has 860 million tags. Tagging your post with this hashtag will ensure it gets lost in the masses. So now it's time for my panelists to wave hello. Mike Grehan, welcome back. You've been on several SAP radio shows with me. Nice to have you here and you brought this wonderful panel today. We have Crispin Sheridan. Crispin, wave hello. 
love the armchair. Hello. He's in his dad's library, and I want that armchair. You're going to ship it across overseas to me, please. I want it. It looks much more comfortable than my chair. We have Isabella Wong. Isabella, welcome. She's an author. If you're looking at us on LinkedIn and Facebook, that's her book. She'll be talking <laughs> a little bit about that in the context of her predictions. Maybe she's using hashtags, but good ones, to promote her book. She's doing an eyebrow roll for me. Thank you. And Janet E. Johnson is with us. Janet, welcome back. You're also on a radio show with me, with Mike, a couple of weeks ago on digital engagement. Topic today, the future of social media noise. Forget about the lawnmower outside my window here. Should we keep or banish hashtags? Bonnie D. in the house, happy to be here. Let's do introductions. Mike Grian, so happy to have you. You always bring up the energy level as if I don't bring it up alone on my own. What can I tell you? Now they're blowing the, the leaves off of my front porch. Just ignore that. I'm going to mute myself. Mike, three minutes. Introduce yourself, please. Go ahead. <laughs> I'd like the energy of somebody blowing the leaves off my porch, except I'm on the 14th floor. That's pretty difficult. So, uh, so uh, yeah, so I've been around for uh, about 100 years. Great to be back on the show again. And great to see Isabella. I haven't seen you for a while. Best with the book. Uh, nice to see Crispin. I saw him just last week. Uh, and Janice, good to see you again. Uh, so, yeah, so I'm in uh, great company here, but uh, I started online back in uh, 1995. So I've been around for a, a very, very long time. Um, I wrote the first book on SEO 20 years ago, believe it or not. So I know a little bit about tags. We started with meta tags. Today we're going to talk about hashtags, as I mentioned earlier on. Now that Facebook has changed its name to uh, meta, maybe they're changing hashtags to meta tags now. <laughs> we'll find out later on. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's an interesting thing that uh, over the years, people, because I've written so much about uh, online marketing, about digital marketing, uh, that people often say Mike's been very good at predicting things. I have to tell you, I don't actually do any predictions. What I do is forecasting. I think predictions is usually the wrong kind of word. It's like a weatherman, you know, they do forecasting. If they did predicting, they could just stick their hand out the window and say, I predict it's raining, and it is, you know. Uh, so I kind of do forecasting. So what I'm kind of hoping to do today with my esteemed colleagues is not so much predict what's going to happen in the future, but forecast the direction that we're going in and, and give an indication and see if I've been right with some of that. So anyway, great to be back again. Thank you, Mike. So happy to have you here. Let's go to Crispin Sheridan. Crispin, I have a feeling we should have met years ago and we didn't. So I'm very, very happy to have you. I'm putting myself on mute again. Now they're doing the leaf blower thing outside my window. So Crispin, talk to us. Introduce yourself and what's your passion for our topic. Well, go ahead. Well, hello. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening, as we like to say at SAP when we start all of our conference calls. Um, my name is Crispin Sheridan, and uh, I'm the Vice President of uh, Organic Search Optimization at SAP, based in Miami Beach. But you can tell from the fireplace over my shoulder, I'm not in Miami Beach currently. I'm actually in Dicus Darpus, Somerset in England, uh, in my father's library, uh, over with the fire next to me and, and a bunch of his books. If you can read the titles, they're his books, not mine on behind me. Um, they're mostly about the naval warfare. <laughs> Um, I've been with SAP for uh, 23 years. Goodness, it sounds a little crazy, but I joined in the last millennium. Uh, and my, my role has changed over the years, uh, including social media at one point in time. Uh, but right now, it's focused 100% on organic search. And uh, my reason for being here today is that I feel that, as many of us know, social media is a very important factor of organic search optimization. Um, and it's definitely not being used to its most uh, possible state uh, by most people in that industry. 
So it's really important, I think, for people to understand the connection between social media and SEO and understand how we can help and work with our social media teams or with social media ourselves if we're individual contributors in order to make sure that we're doing the best thing, not only for social, but also for search. You're on mute still, Bonnie? I'm unmuted. Thank you, dear. You yes, go. I just got to. You are still muted. Thank you. Trying to get rid of the. the we're we're also talking to a, a B to C audience as well. You mentioned for individuals, so we're going to keep this. We're going to predict on a big global level of, for people who just use social media for fun or for what do I want to learn today? That clanging, clashing of hashtags and handles and things that don't make any sense and don't match up. I can't tell you the number of times, Crispin, when I'm promoting a radio show and I look for somebody's handle and their chosen hashtags and it makes absolutely no sense to me or 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 even more worse isabel will introduce you in a second even worse people who send me their social media handle they'll send me one for pinterest and one for linkedin and one for facebook and one for instagram and one for reddit and one for twitter and i've got 16 of these and they don't get them right. They'll put a dash in one, an underscore in another. They'll put a period in one. And I'm looking for them, and they don't exist under that <laughs> handle. And to me, that makes it even noisier. Even though it's silent because I can't find them, it makes it noisier for me as somebody who wants to follow them. And then I see people who say they've got 100,000 followers and they've got 12 people following them on Twitter. So that means is Twitter out of fashion? Do I have to go to Instagram to follow them? Do I have to follow them on, on Pinterest, right? Janet knows what I'm talking about. She's nodding. We'll get to you in a second. So let's go to Isabella. Isabella, welcome. You're new to me, new to the show. We're so happy to have you. Please give us an intro. Who is Isabella? What do you do? And what is that gorgeous book behind you? Talk to me. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Bonnie. Tremendous gratitude. Such an honor to be here with Crispin. Janet, great pleasure. Thank you so much, Mike, for bringing me on. <laughs> Mike is the one connecting me. So uh, it's a tremendous uh, opportunity for me. And I hope for all the audience today here to hear us talking about this futuristic topic. Uh, again, my name is Isabella Wang. Isabella. And I'm a digital strategist working as the uh, CEO at a company called Creative House. We are a digital company to help clients with digital transformation strategies from website development, social strategy to lead generation. And we really focus on the big picture to help companies, uh, customers to transform their business model in a fast changing world uh, with strategic marketing. And I'm also part of the New York Marketing Association and a book author of this, where is it? This book called <laughs> The Digital Mind of Tomorrow, <laughs> through which I'll be talking about uh, what the future of digital landscape is about. And it's no doubt that I'm living, right? I'm breathing in this uh, digital landscape. And um, to me personally, and from my observation, I really believe it's time for us to take in-depth look into this digital transformation and the digital landscape to really question ourselves where can the technology development, the progression um, take us and to really examine the impact of the modern technology. And Bonnie, you will hear me in the later talking as well. I come really from a, a bigger picture, uh, a different 
uh, angle to uh, examine everything and to evaluate everything. What I see is a, a revolutionary movement is going on with our today's social media landscape, the fast changing technology that leads to a behavior shift, which fundamentally shapes our mindset and our culture in a very different way. And uh, we've talked about this noise, right? It's coming from this misusage, the hacking of AI, the lack of our concentration in doing stuff and our patient uh, level is just dropping, dropping and dropping. And all these tech giants, they're betting their collective future on being able to build, navigate and operating market on this whole different digital dynamic. So the way I look at social media today, it's how we use it has fundamentally uh, changed and expectation and so forth. So when you deep down really to, to the core level, it explains a lot why there's so much noise and why what we have uh, used to work do not apply it anymore because it's turning into something we have less and less control of. And it's the best timing to for us to take a look at and to reevaluate everything. The crisis we're going through now with the pandemic also escalated this process. So in short, that's the main point of uh, why I'm here today. I want to participate and also the purpose of my book. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to just say, Isabella, that's so you. It was a great introduction, but that was actually a chapter from your book, not an introduction. <laughs> it, it was lovely. And Isabella, when you kept using the word landscape, I want to say I should change the title of this, the social media, future of social media noise to the bumps, the lumps, the stumps, and the pitfalls and the potholes on the road to the social media landscape. Everything is changing. Be careful where you walk or where you tread, I should say. Thank you, Isabella. Looking forward to your predictions. I know they're going to be great. You are lovely. You are absolutely charming. Thank you. Can't wait. Janet e. Johnson, you've been so patient. Thank you so much. Happy to have you back. I'm going to put you on speaker view. Please do me the honor. And Janet, people heard you on one of my other shows, so this audience may not be familiar with you. What do you do? What does social media mean to you? Just briefly. And why are you here? Janet, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me again, Bonnie. I appreciate it. And good to see Mike again and to be with everybody else, Kristen and Isabella. Uh, by the way, Mike, I'm not too far behind you, so that's what I'll start with. 1998 was when I started. Mm -hmm. So I know you mentioned 1995, so we're pretty close. Um, I started with eBay marketing, uh, just selling on eBay. Actually, I started with shopping, but, you know, I'm a shopper, so then I realized I could make money. So the first part of social media, when I moved and shifted, shifted into social media landscape, was MySpace. So that's the first ah. step. Uh, and Facebook wasn't cool back then. I mean, Twitter was non-existent. Um, I believe Twitter was the next, the next one, and they're the kind of the... Uh, forefront of the hashtags what was the Twitter world mm -hmm. now in all honesty you know it's funny you mentioned that I am Janet underscore Johnson on Twitter because I set it up so early <laughs> and it, you couldn't get Janet E. Johnson and so I just left it because I don't even use Twitter but and we could talk about this but the only time I use Twitter you guys will laugh is when I in hashtags is when I watch The Bachelor or The Bachelorette to follow along with the comments of what's happening on the show. So that's all I use Twitter for. But so that that's a, you know, there's a use of hashtags. Um, so my business, I do only now we do 
lead generation with Facebook and Instagram advertising. So we've actually, over the years, managed a lot of companies. So of course, hashtags are a part of that when you're doing organic posting, but hashtags aren't a whole lot a big part of the advertising world. So that's, that's why I'm here. We're still highly, highly involved in social media. That's what we do for a living. And I really appreciate you being here. And I like love to hear. I can't wait to talk about this further and hear everybody's predictions. Thank you, Janet. And I have to echo what you said. I, in past years, not recently, I would follow on Twitter the Oscars, the Academy Award mm -hmm. hashtags and watch Oscar Academy Award 2000, I don't know, 2010 or 2011, 2012. And I loved the people who were basically ranking about what everybody was wearing. It honestly... It's right. more funny to watch the the than it's, the show itself to watch it's the comments. <laughs> and once in a while, I would say, "I think this one's going to get the award." Oh, damn! And I became part of that conversation, and it was a live conversation back and forth with thousands and thousands of people at that Academy Award hashtag. And I love when they said, "Oh, look at so and so's dress. What's that part of a curtain in her kitchen window? For God's sake!" <laughs> and the commentary was. Mike, it was yeah. scathing. It was funny. It was it was risque at the sense of it was rude. It was crude, but it was really fun. And I watched the show on TV while I was. And I will tell you that when I started my my radio shows for SAP, I was using Twitter for marketing for promotions. But I was live tweeting. This is before I met any of you. I was live tweeting fifteen to twenty times, Crispin, during a live show. While my guests were talking, I was taking little bits and pieces from their discussion statements they sent me, from their live comments, copying them in. I had a, a template ready to go, posting them on Twitter. You could see fifteen live tweets from me during a one-hour show while I was also doing research online and talking to my guests, and it was a blast. Of course, I used hashtags. I wanted somebody to pay attention. Let's go to the opening quotes. I've asked my guests to send me fun quotes from fictional characters, movie or TV, and song lyrics. And Mike Rian is starting off with a quote from Bob Dylan's 1979 album, Slow Train Coming. And this was his 19th studio album released in August of 1979 by Columbia Records. And the quote has to do with the title of the song. So I'm just going to read the line. Going to change my way of thinking, make myself a different set of rules, Going to put my good foot forward, stop being influenced by fools. And this, by the way, was when Bob Dylan flirted with Christianity. He lost a lot of followers because of this album, but he also gained new followers. Mike, let's talk about going to change my way of thinking. Love the line. Go ahead, Mike. So that, you know, Bob Dylan's been, he's a legend. He's been around for such a long time and you can pick a quote out of the year any day of the week. Um, it's kind of timely because I've got tickets to see Bob Dylan at the Beacon Theatre here in New York later this month. I mean, the guy's 80 years old uh, and he's still out there and he's going to play this song and I know he's going to play it because it's kind of important to him. And you just touched on the fact there that uh, he was flirting with Christianity. Yeah, he did. He kind of made that change. Um, but there was something else that was going on in his life at the time that was uh, really important. You know, the story of how the Christianity thing started. He was feeling ill uh, on tour and he was on stage in San Diego and somebody threw a cross on stage and he said he didn't usually bend down and pick things up on stage because they threw all kinds of weird things on there. But he was he had been really ill and for some reason he felt compelled to pick up this cross. He put it in his pocket and then weeks later people noticed that he'd begun, uh, begun wearing the cross. Uh, and this is how it changed. And he had this kind of conversion. 
But the interesting thing is this, that when he started recording the new album, when he started working on it, all kinds of new ideas and sounds for the album had come to mind. So when you listen to this song, it's a basic 12-bar blues, okay? But it was kind of different the way that he was playing it. And he picked out a guy called Jerry Wexler, which if you're not a music fan may mean nothing. But he is the legendary producer who worked with Aretha Franklin and all of those great soul artists of the 60s. So he brought all of this beautiful horn sound, this beautiful soul sound going on in the background. And he'd been introduced to a guy from my hometown in uh, the city of Newcastle in the UK, a guy called Mark Knopfler, who was the guitarist and songwriter with Dire Straits. And then they added Mark Knopfler to the top of that. What he came up with was a completely unique sound. Now, during that period, he'd had no hits at all. He'd been touring, gigs were kind of good, but no hits at all, and not many people were buying his album. Now, it's interesting you say that because he was flooding with Christianity and he's a born Jew, that, you know, he lost... Um, a, a few uh, Jewish fans. I mean, he'd already had Christian fans who just love him for his music and Jewish fans who love him for his music. So maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But the reason that it's important to me is that during that time, I remember the music reviewers, they were just mm. so in awe of this great sound that he had created. For the first time in years, he had a platinum album. He had a hit in the charts. Yeah, so whether he was Christian or whether he was Jewish didn't make any difference. People were talking about this great sound. What's that got to do with what we're talking about now? It's to do with the noise because if this happened now in social media, that the unnecessary noise of hashtags of bad Jew or good Christian or, yes. you know, when the, when, the, yes. when the tag is actually Bob Dylan's new sound or yes. Bob Dylan's new album, that's what it would be. And that's why I say, you know, that the, the problem that we have here is not just the noise, but it's the abuse of tags, these uh, hashtags that people use. Yes. Uh, and then they lead you down the garden path. We'll come to that. You end up going down these rabbit holes. Um, and then eventually they become what they are. The hashtag, I say now when I look, because people get so animated these days, uh, you know, particularly on Twitter, and the political environment has, has been part of that, and one person in particular who was the, you know, the biggest user of Twitter, and eventually you end up looking at these tweets, and you don't actually realize what the tweet is. Like the great quote that Bob Dylan made in that song, don't be afraid to do what you want to do. Don't listen to fools, right? If you believe it in your heart, change the sound of your music. Maybe that's what he was talking about, not changing his religion, you know, and not listening to fools. And yet now when you see people so many tweeting, and I see all of these hashtags that you mentioned before, and they're, they're literally just... It shows how uh, we've become tribal, and they are literally just war paint badly disguised as text. Whoa, war paint badly. And you are so right about the hashtags that would have accompanied Bob Dylan and this song. You're absolutely right, Mike. They would have been skating. They would have been religiously toned, tinted, yep. tinged, right? They would have been nasty. And think Wrongly about used. this. And the word change, gonna be gonna change is in the title of the song. Change would have been one, and companies would have been picking this up and saying, Oh, change management. Well, we can use this. And then they would have looked at the background of the song and said, Maybe not so much. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate that. Let's go to Crispin's quote. Crispin has sent us a quote from the character Clary Belcher, played by 
the late great Olympia Dukakis, said to Weezer Boudreaux, played by the wonderful otherworldly Shirley MacLaine, the movie, of course, is Steel Magnolia's 1989 American comedy drama. Crispin, I love when they put comedy drama together with a dash and describe a film. It's a comedy drama. Well, you might laugh, but you might cry. But you might cry first, and then you might laugh later. Okay. It starred Sally Field, Dolly Parton, Shirley MacLaine, Daryl Hannah, Olympia Dukakis, Julia Roberts, with a whole bunch of supporting people. And it's about a whim- women in a tight-knit group in a small town, southern community, and how they cope with the death of one of their own. And here is the quote. You really have to explain what this has to do with our topic, Crispin. You know I love you more than my luggage. <laughs> I don't know what language. Probably, I'm in, I'm in North Carolina. She said, you know I love you more than my luggage. I don't know. I don't do good southern accents. Crispin, rescue me, for goodness sake. Go ahead. Okay, okay, Bonnie. Thank you. Well, there's a theme here, and uh, it has to do with travel, luggage, and baggage. Um, if you remember back to the day when uh, Captain Sully uh, landed his plane on the Hudson, yes, uh, and if you uh, knew that mentioning uh, behind me books on naval aviation, my father was also an airline pilot. I don't think he'd ever did a water landing, uh, but I certainly saw him when he was doing his military work. Um, and Captain Sally landed his plane, and I heard about it on the radio. I was sitting in my office on the southwest edge of Manhattan, and I actually went to Twitter in order to find out where on the Hudson it was, because I, if I walked west right down uh, in the village, I would be able to see the Hudson. And it was in the old days when you actually had to stay at your desk most of the day. Uh, we weren't doing work, remote work. And um, I, I wanted to quickly rush out, but I, had a, I knew I had about a five-minute window. So I watched and I started to see some hashtags pop up, you know, hashtag plane crash, hashtag uh, captain, not, not Captain Sully, but, you know, amazing captain landed the plane, you know, people are, people are still alive. And, uh, and it said, okay, pass, it's passing 23rd Street, it's passing 20th Street, it's passing 18th Street. And I, I got it right at that moment. I walked over to the river uh, one block away from my office and I looked out and there was this plane floating down the river. Uh, and it was absolutely extraordinary. By that point, they'd rescued the people off it, and it actually was beginning to sink. Um, and it was it was quite the most amazing thing I have ever seen. Um, but yes, um, luggage, it's becoming baggage. Hashtags are becoming baggage. And do we really need them? It's a loaded statement. Um, do we need to have this type of what I call SEO for dummies? Um, because really, it was a way that people could, you know, be, pretend they're doing SEO uh, and, and, and say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm hashtagging this particular thing this way because it's going to show up in search results. Well, search is a little more complicated than that. Uh, we know there are hundreds and hundreds of factors in Google's algorithm alone, uh, and we need to go uh, make sure that hashtags go the way of the dodo and really let uh, people like Matt Cutts, who used to run the spam team at Google, actually manage this for us because it, it, there's so much mess in the world at the moment with, with hashtags, so much misusage, so much spam, uh, and hashtags are getting used for bullying even, as, as, as Mike alluded to, you know, on, on the religious front as well. Um, so, you know, we, we have to stop people being able to go to that magazine, cut out the letters and put together the ransom note. Uh, they hide behind anonymity. We need to get the whole industry to being a little more uh, nicer and gentler. Crispin, I love the recounting of the Captain Sully adventure. You were there. But what's interesting to me also is that I can rename the title of the show again, The Future of Hashtags, Luggage or Baggage. 
Oh, yeah. Crispin, thank you. Uh, see, see, this is very fluid. We're going to take a break. for. Je- We're not going away, but I'm asking my engineer, Aaron, to please roll in the ad from our sponsor before we get to Isabella's and Janet's quotes, because we want to hear from them. So, Aaron, why don't you give us our sponsor message? We're so happy to have them on the show. Go ahead. I'm Jeff Wheelwright tech journalist and host of the RM Viewpoints podcast. I've been documenting the evolution of the computer industry since the birth of the PC. Having witnessed the mobile revolution firsthand, it's my pleasure to be working with ARM, the company whose technology sparked it all. We bring you the latest stories from the center of the tech world. In recent episodes, I've had fascinating conversations with executives, engineers, industry experts, and futurists from both inside and outside of ARM. We've covered topics from AI, data security, software-defined vehicles, robotics, and cybercrime to the promise of 5G and the future of healthcare. And we're just getting started. Join me as we speak with an ever-expanding roster of the people at the heart of technology as we explore the evolving world of computing. Download and subscribe to Arm Viewpoints at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you very much. We are so honored to have Arm as a sponsor on this show. They're on every other week with me, and we are just delighted. So thank you for that message. Let's go back to our quotes, Isabella Wong. You have sent a very interesting quote from the narrator of the movie Legends of the Fall, a 1994 American epic historical drama Western film, and the character and narrator was played by an actor named Gordon Tutusis, T-O-O-T-O-O-S-I-S. I've never heard of him before. The character is one stab, O-N-E-S-T-A-B. And here is the quote. Some people hear their own inner voices with great, great clearness, and they live by what they hear. Such people become crazy or they become legends. Isabel, what a great quote. Take about two minutes because we're not going to get to the predictions of this, right? We're having too much fun with the quotes. Isabella, talk to me. How'd you find this quote and what does it have to do with our noise topic today? Go ahead, Isabella. Thank you, Bonnie. Uh, this is one of my favorite movies. So absolutely, I, I love this quote. And uh, you guys ready for Isabella's book, Chapter 2? <laughs> Since we did a Chapter 1. <laughs> Just kidding. I'll keep this very short. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, the, this quote is about inner voice and the passion, the courage to follow this inner voice. And what I see today with all this chaos, um, the noise, it's because of our losing our inner voice, the clarity. We're indulged in this irrelevant information overloaded world and the misusage as um, 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 the two speakers was talking about the misusage and the spam, the robots, um, all pressing us to think about the power of clarity, how we use hashtags and how um, what does it mean to use hashtags? It's, it's just to follow another trend or we just want to boost your ads. So all these are, are engaged with our clarity and our power to think. And our and next important thing is our passion and courage to follow that clarity. There will be a lot of disagreements. We can see that's why it's so noisy. And there, what we really need to do is to put down, to do a suspension of our disbelief and to really consider the evidence, what is true. Because all of these um, misinformation are failure of using technology coming from our lack of clarity and our lack of imagination. And what we're moving forward 
<laughs> Thank you, Bonnie. When we're moving forward, those are the power to help us shape a better environment to help our um, behaviors to go into a better direction. Thank you very much. Isabella said, thank you, Bonnie. And I wasn't on camera view at that point, but I was going, wow, <laughs> my eyes were popping. Wow. And she saw me, she saw me on screen. We're, we're on Zoom here. Thank you, Isabella. Very interesting. Clarity, such an important word in our topic today. Clarity. What do you mean? What are you trying to say? To whom are you trying to say it? How are you trying to say it? Are you going crazy trying to say it? That's part of the noise too. Janet E. Johnson with an underscore in there somewhere. Here you have sent a quote from Rafiki Amandrel, voiced by the wonderful Robert Guillaume in the animated films. There were a whole bunch of properties in the franchise. The Lion King, 1994 American animated feature film that spawned a Disney media franchise comprising a film series and lots of other media. And here is the quote. This is beautiful, Janet. Oh, yes. I can't do a mandrel voice. I'm sorry. Oh, yes. The past can hurt, but you can either run from it or learn from it. Oh, Janet, I get goosebumps when I read this. Take two minutes. Tell us how this relates to our topic. I think we know what you're going to say. Go ahead, Janet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of obvious. We've already kind of alluded to that. Um, you know, even I mean, if this could this obviously is a quote for life as well. I mean, you know, life, business, whatever. You know, social media. You know, will guide it into um, what we're talking about today. But this is an overall quote that um, we just need to learn. You know, learn from our past and move forward. And when it comes to social media and the hashtags, I mean, when we when social media was launched, there was, I mean, hashtags were still a pound sign to me. I mean, us older generation, it's hard. It was hard for us to switch from pound sign over to calling it hashtag because, you know, I, I think of the old telephone, you know, where you had the little pound sign on there. Sad to say. Um, <laughs> and aging ourselves, aging ourselves here. So we did, you know, we're going to talk today about the future too. So, you know, not only today's world, you know, we look at the past, how were hashtags used, we look at the present, how are hashtags used, and then what will the future be? We're going to be talking about all of it, but bottom line is we have to just learn from it. Social media changes every single day of our life and we, there's nothing we can do to change that. So we need to just embrace it and move along with the changes in a meta way. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. We won't give the backstory to that word in other languages. We'll leave it alone. Let's move to our predictions. We've got about 20 minutes left and let's see how many we can cover. Let's keep it brief. Mike, I'm going to your prediction number three. I like this one. It's a, a broader look. You say thinking about, and by the way, I'll read a little bit of the prediction. Mike, unpack it. If anybody has anything to say to amplify it, just Wiggle your finger at me, the, the pointer finger, please. That's all we need. And then I will, if I see anybody, I'll call you. Otherwise, I will have picked a prediction already for Crispin and one for Isabella and one for Jen. I'll put them in the private chat to you, and then we'll just keep going. Let's see. We've already been doing a lot of predictions here, but mostly critique of what the challenge is, what the problems are, why we have noise. Mike, prediction number three, thinking about the original purpose of the hashtag, imagine a future, I love that phrase, where the real social network is something like ancestry or my heritage, where DNA is used to connect families. In the future, DNA connections are likely to fundamentally be the first layer of fabric in social networks, followed by friends and other connections. You could call it a network of trust, 
Wow, Mike, is this an original, uh, is this a Mike Grehan never heard before first on my show? I'm very honored if it is. Mike, take about two minutes, unpack this for us, please. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is something that I've been thinking about for a while, but this is, this is the first time that I've talked about it in this kind of public uh, sort of way. But, uh, you know, one of the things that you mentioned in there, because all of those things that I talked about are kind of linked, to, linked together, and that's understanding what was the real purpose of the hashtag to begin with. The guy who invented the hashtag worked at Twitter, and then he went on to Google+. Plus. After that, the reason that he used the hashtag is he just needed a symbol that would bring things together collectively so the subject matter would be right, so that you wouldn't get lost in all of the noise. That was the whole point. And yet it's being used in exactly the opposite way. And you end up, you know, encountering content that you weren't looking for, characters that you're not connected to, these kind of, you know, and then end up, like I say, down that uh, kind of rabbit hole. But this social network and social network analysis has been around for such a very, very long time, looking at groups and the way that we group together. Um, and if we didn't go out looking for fights and those kind of things, we'd probably end up there and, uh, you know, birds of a feather flocking together kind of thing. So what does this mean? Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I was brought into, uh, real quick, I was brought into the beta group uh, when 23andMe started uh, so long ago, which was taking your DNA and then, you know, trying to uh, link your family together. So as opposed to the social network that we have at the moment where I might, I'm feeling lonely, so I might find somebody. What about you start and connect with your family first and they connect with you and then you connect with their friends and their friends. And then that's the way it goes. So the first layer of that actually becomes this network of trust. So so the the source itself is validated. The, the information that you're receiving is actually validated to begin with. So you start with that first layer of trust and then you build on that. And then you can use hashtags that are connected to you and your family and your interests. So I, I honestly do believe that um, you know, given that there are changes taking place over at Facebook at the moment, I'm sorry, the trust thing has to come into it. They kind of lost a lot of that. But the likelihood is that going forward within social networks, that DNA thing would have been brought into it anyway, you know, and, and connecting us together on the planet, starting with a network of trust as opposed to starting in the middle of this chaos and then trying to find out where the meaningful uh, information is and where the trust is, you know. Thank you very much. I saw a hand go up. Mr. Sheridan, talk to us. Yes. Well, goodness, DNA. I love the subject immensely. And uh, Mike, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's triggered so many thoughts in my mind just hearing you say that. It is a fantastic uh, con concept and a fantastic quote. I think it should be the title somehow of your next book. <laughs> um, but, you know, if we look into the DNA, uh, there's so much DNA that's not understood in our own DNA. And this is sometimes called the, the baggage, the excess baggage DNA uh, or, or, the, or the garbage DNA. Well, it, believe me, it isn't. Uh, and, and it's probably something far more important and far more useful. And we have to decide if we go through life with this baggage uh, and is it baggage or is it luggage? Luggage is a good thing. We carry the important things with us. Baggage is sometimes things that we can dispense with. Uh, I arrived recently in Caracas, Venezuela, and I was detained for seven hours in the airport. They thought I was a spy because I had no luggage. And uh, I also happened to have three passports. You said it's all in my about. head. <laughs> <laughs> 
all in my head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, seven hours later, I, they, they let me loose on, on Caracas. And uh, I, apparently I was quite lucky to get away with my life. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the idea of luggage and baggage, I think it's really important. And, and the idea of DNA, it gets to the point of authenticity and trust and reliability. And this is where we have to really deal with the issue of anonymity in social media. Because most of the bad things, as I see it, that happen are due to anonymity. Yes, you've got people who get up on their soapbox and they, they're willing to show themselves and show their face and say terrible things. But in the vast majority of cases, it's the bully. It's the bully in the schoolyard who is using social media. Uh, and, and it makes it social makes it so easy for them to hide behind that. So, so the validation about, and the verification, mm. yeah, validation verification is really important. Can I just throw yeah. something real yeah. quick here, Bonnie, yeah. because it's it's kind Go of ahead. interesting. I, yes. I went to the first live event that I've been to in a long time, and um, just a couple of weeks ago, and it was a lot of uh, big retailers who came together, and they started talking about privacy issues and social media and those kind of things. And somebody on stage came up with this marvelous comment. She said, "People talk about privacy issues, and they worry because somebody says." Uh, I'd like to have your email address. And I go, why would I give you my email address? Then the next day, they spit into a little thing and openly send a sample of their DNA to somebody on the other side of the country. And yet they're worried about, <laughs> you want my email address? <laughs> Juxtaposition of those two things was just... <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, certainly the, the, the DNA thing and validation verification. There you go. Very interesting. And zero trust There's so many things we could spawn from this conversation. But Mike, if you Google certain people, many people, you'll find out where they live, the address, you'll see the Google view, aerial view of the roof of their house, you'll find out what the current home value is, you'll find out who all their relatives are, who their past connections are, what their last five cities of residence were, what their last five phone numbers were. So don't talk to me about privacy. And I have a <laughs> Bonnie, neighbor... I wonder what it is that you're doing when you're not doing a radio show now. <laughs> well, once in a while. I I have only have 10 shows, 10 series right now. But I have a neighbor who told me she hates technology. And do you know how she told me that? You ready? She texted me. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, I'm just, about to do a, I'm just about to do a search at Google for Bonnie D. Graham surveillance. You, you do all you want, honey. That's fine. I don't think I have any secrets anymore. Crispin, I'm moving on to your prediction number two. Let's keep these brief because I want to make sure we get at least one from Isabella and one from, from mm -hmm. Janet because these are good. Is, Kristen, Crispin told me the following. Future of hashtags. He says hashtags will go the way of email folders. Gulp. We'll no longer have to manually tag our content in this way. Better algorithms and the profile of the writer will play the role of getting found if and when it's appropriate. I'm going to stop there. Crispin, two minutes. Unpack this. This is interesting. Algorithms, talk to me. Yes, definitely. So, you know, like I mentioned earlier with, with Matt Cutts, I mean, his team used to be called the spam team before, before it was evolved. Um, and essentially, much of the algorithm for Google and, and many other platforms is designed to get to weed out the spam because those, you know, big companies need to make sure that their platforms are used in the best way possible. And spam is one of the worst things that people can do to hijack platforms and hijack concepts and stories and people's lives and their own truths um, and, and, and really get in the way and cause that no level of noise. So these things have to go away. Because like I said, it's, uh, it, it's, it's SEO for dummies. Uh, it's not necessary anymore. Uh, the algorithms can really uh, take, take control. 
and uh, people will get used to, to, to maybe using hashtags in a different way. You know, uh, sometimes I see them, people sort of use them as, de as decoration or they'll say them at the end of a, of a sentence, hashtag, what a great concept. Um, but that's, that's not an actual hashtag necessarily. Um, but user behavior is what is going to change this industry and we have to incentivize it as professionals. Thank you very much. And we're, we're mostly, most of you are focusing on the professional side, the business side, the SEO side. And there were so many communities on social that have nothing to do with business. I'm in a 55 plus community here and we have our own intranet. And I see certain people are creating the noise. They have something to say about every topic that comes up. And every day they post diatribes this long. Well, I don't think we should have to wear masks anymore. And we're all going to die anyway. And why are we doing this? And why is the board? And they're there every damn day with these. And that to me is social noise. I'm reluctant to go on the forum because of all the stuff that they're, it's the same three or four people. And everybody's, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, you're right, you're wrong. And it just, and so to me, there's lots of levels of this noise that doesn't even have to do with hashtags, but I want to put hashtags for certain people so to avoid them. Let's go to Isabella's prediction number two. I love this. Isabella taking a broader view, which we know you like to do. She says the term social media will fade. And the definition of social media will also change as it no longer refers to any single platform, but a virtual ecosystem where we will live and breathe. Isabella, this is a big concept. Just take two minutes. That's all I've got, but I can't wait to hear it. Is this chapter three in your book? Uh, about, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. You're up. I'm putting you on speaker. Go ahead. Thank you, Bonnie. Don't worry. I'll definitely leave enough time for Janet. I'll keep it very brief. And by the way, uh, good notes on this uh, noise environment, even in the niche community. Uh, what I see is really an uh, infotech war going on here, overloaded with a lot of information. Yeah, that's that's just uh, a quick note. And great uh Green notes from Mike and also Crispin. Mike mentioned this, this social thing. It's just a tool. Like the, our desire to, to be engaged socially will never change. So that's why I see this It's a transition to something else instead of just, oh, what's the next thing? We'll always find something to engage. The question is how and in what way? And something big just happened last week. We all know, right, this meta future will keep a closer eye on it, how it gonna unfold. So what I see is technology is playing a critical role in creating this new engaged, engaged as social, uh, whatever you call it. That the word is not is not um, doesn't matter. Whatever you call it, social platform or social ecosystem. There's a trillion dollar bet on this meta future. Uh, of course, there's other reasons, but I, I do believe they don't bet on this trillion dollar just for, for the other reasons. It means something for our social environment and social, again, social, um, these social platforms are just tool, as Crispin says, the, sorry, the engagement and also all those hashtags helps with algorithm, the AI, all these kind of mislead us to uh, properly using it. And it's no longer uh, helping us in the way that we wanted to. So that's why I think it's really shifting to a next stage for us to figure out. And the shifting with this meta future, it's also changing our expectation from a 2D dimensional uh, internet to a 3D dimensional mm -hmm verse for us to create customer engagement or to deal with our community. So all these changes add up together. It's really shifting us to a different dynamic. Thank you very much. Very appreciative. <sighs> 
Can't wait to read your book. Send me the ebook, please, Isabella. I want to read it. Let's go to Janet. Janet has something to say. I don't know where this one's going. She says, I think, this is a quote from Janet underscore E. Johnson. I don't know where I got the underscore right, Janet. We'll figure it out. I think something will come along. I'm going to change that. I predict something will come along that replaces the hashtag in the next few years. Janet E., talk to me. What do you think? What do you see? What do you predict? What are we looking forward to? Janet. You know, Isabella just brought up a lot of points that are very similar. I mean, it's basically, you know, the social media will change. Here's the thing. Like when I dropped my kid off this morning, he's 17 years old. I asked him, what do you do with hashtags? How do you use hashtags? Because he's a TikTok and Instagram. Like those are his two platforms. And he said, who cares about hashtags? Like his opinion was he does not use hashtags at all. And so I also want to go back to what you mentioned about Sprout Social and the quote at the very beginning, Bonnie, you had Mm -hmm. said a percentage of how many people. Well, the one thing about Sprout Social is they are, that was all the marketers and business owners. Marketers ruin everything, by the way. Um, So we just do. And uh, Hashtag uh, marketers ruin everything. Crispin, you Crispin, you can create that one today. I'm taking you with that one. Go ahead, Janet. Yeah, yeah. So the bottom line is I might I would love to hear the percentage that are actually using hashtags. Like there's that was people 65% that are using hashtags in their posts because we're trying to reach as many people as possible. Yes. But what about the people, the average consumer? How many are actually percentage-wise, use using hashtags. So I think they're fading. That's my opinion of it. I think people are not using them in the way that they used to be used. And and even some marketers don't even know what they're doing on how they should be posting the hashtags as well, you know? So, so I think they're being used in the wrong way. And so people are so confused with it all. I think something will come along to replace that. And one of the questions you asked me was what? Honestly, I have no idea. I mean, I personally, my opinion is we should just go back to the plain old keywords like we used to have. I mean, keywords, they kind of are keywords, but they're not keywords. And so what are hashtags? You know, there's a lot of questions there. So I do believe somebody will create something. I mean, like GIFs. I mean, how did we ever know that GIFs, and by the way, it is GIF, Google it, um, with a (laughs) G sound. (laughs) But how did we ever think that GIFs would exist or emojis or so something crazy will come along that will replace the hashtags. Do I know what that is? I have no idea yet, but I think something will be. You're going to have to come back in a year and tell us if you figured that out. Mike, go ahead. Respond to Janet. Love to hear you. Yeah, I do. I can tell you exactly what it is uh, in just two words, artificial intelligence, where it will be. And, and Crispin's kind of touched on that as well. So, you know, the keywords thing, I understand that the difference with keywords um, is that they're really important. Keywords are directional. You use a keyword and when you're searching for something on Google, that keyword may not actually appear in the content that you're looking at or you're reading. But it's understood, yeah, the inference from using that keyword, what the intent is that I want to read about this. So, you know, if you use the keyword fish tank and see tropical fish aquarium, good mission accomplished. That's the way that artificial intelligence is working. And I think the same thing, the tweet will explain itself. You won't need to have somebody putting a hashtag saying, I think it means this or I want it to mean that. So. Thank and you. I would add that Crispin, go ahead. Yeah, I, I would add that you know my my comment about the algorithms need to change and evolve um, because they too are causing some of this spam. And I think you know we all we all 
uh, wonder sometimes that the algorithms themselves are calling the po- causing the polarization mm-hmm. in society. Um, and if you think of you know the whole globe, uh, and and it's a smooth surface because people are all talking to each other. And now suddenly the surface becomes concentrated in little spikes. It almost looks like a, a virus uh, because people have clo- you know, congealed themselves into these little points and it's become tense and, and there's a lot of anger and so on. We, the algorithms themselves need to help address that issue as well. That's true. And when we, we talk about algorithms, people right now mostly are creating the algorithms and they have their biases, right? And they have their backgrounds and their own knowledge. And then when the algorithms are creating and spawning their own spin-off algorithms, then the question is who started the algorithms and where, where did it start? I recently did a show on the future of autonomous vehicles and a couple of researchers at Boston University, an engineer and his colleagues are having cars learn on virtual highways, virtual streets. And if you've ever lived in Cambridge, Mass, as I have, you know there are roundabouts where five roads are all converging on one. It's like, oh my God, who goes first? I don't know, but I'm sitting here with the brake (laughs) on because I don't want to be the one that gets squished in the middle. Anyway, cars are learning from behavior of cars and pedestrians without humans teaching them. It's, It's The algorithm is there and then there's machine learning. The car is the machine. It's learning. It's teaching its own algorithm how to behave. They're at a 92% success rate in getting cars to go down a track they've done before and to a track or a road they've never seen before. So algorithms to me, it, it starts with the people and then it goes somewhere else and we don't know. We are just about out of time. I wish we had time for more. Mike, I know you had some very interesting predictions coming up. I want to thank all of you. Let's do what we have two minutes left. So, all right, one quick prediction. If we met again one year from today, it's a yes or no answer. That's all we have time from one year from today. And maybe we will. I don't know. Look for the invitation, kids. Anyway, uh, I'm calling you kids because I can. Okay. <laughs> Would we still be talking about the noise in social media or Janet? Will somebody have solved the problem? Isabella, will somebody have said, banish all the hashtags and we're going to have less noise, but more quality content and less bullying, right? So yes or no, will we still be talking about this the same way? Mike, yes or no? Um, uh, yes or no, no that's all you get. No, no. no. Why, why? Why? One sentence. Why? Um, digital assistance. Okay, good. Crispin, will we still be talking about it? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Isabella? <laughs> no. Oh, there's a chapter in your book. I want to read that one that says <laughs> no. Okay. Right, sorry, Bonnie. No means we uh, the problem solved or not solved. We'll the prob- we, we won't be talking about it because there's no more problem oh, anymore. yes. Sorry, sorry. That's okay. Yes. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Janet, we will still be talking about it in a year. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you. Hashtag so I yes, want, no. <laughs> I want all of you to put your hands together and thank Mike for bringing us all together today. Mike, I empowered you, tasked you, and deputized you to bring a panel. And look at the wonderful people you invited. Crispin, delighted to meet you. Isabella, Great. what a pleasure. Janet, it's always wonderful to see you. Mike, you, you're outstanding in your field. What can I say? I want to thank, thank my you. engineer. Thank you. I want to thank my engineer, Aaron Keller. Everybody say thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. And everybody you, say... Aaron. Everybody say goodbye, LinkedIn. Go on. Wave goodbye, LinkedIn. Goodbye, LinkedIn. Goodbye, Facebook. And now we have our close. And thank you to my sponsor, the ARM Podcast. Everybody go listen. It sounds fascinating. And we're so happy and honored to have them as a sponsor of this show because we have so many listeners all over the world. They want to reach our audience, my audience as well. Thank you to Ryan Treasure, VP of Broadcast Operations, for giving me the intro on this show. And now all of my... My four panelists, I want you to wag your finger. Come on, we got to go through the closing here. Wag your finger. If somebody tells you the future is already here, I want you to say all together now, no, no, no. Come on, one, two, three. No, 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 no. no, no. no. Oh, and the reason is that that was yes.
yesterday's future. Today's future hasn't happened yet, and we're all here trying to make it a better one. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Everybody wave goodbye. Don't go away, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now.